Good morning, friends. Thanks again for taking time to join us for Meeting for Worship. I think I have some good news for you today. Potentially, at least, uh, if you happen to be the kind of person who from time to time experiences life as being overwhelmed with the tedious or the mundane, uh, if you ever feel just kind of overwhelmed by uh, life's simple tasks, I've got good news for you. I want to tell you about uh, a historical figure by the name of Brother Lawrence. Now, Brother Lawrence was a monk, but not really. He wasn't a full monk because he hadn't been to seminary. He wasn't a priest. He was more of a lay brother. So he wasn't ever able to participate in any of the ceremonial functions of being a monk. Really, he just sort of did errands. He worked in the kitchen. He ran errands in town. Uh, you can read his journal that uh, details the, the experiences that he had and the things that he encountered going into town to shop for food for the monks. Uh, I want to read you a poem that he wrote uh, about the simple spirituality that he found on the way amidst the tedious and the mundane. Lord of all pots and pans and things, since I've no time to be a great saint by doing lovely things or watching late with thee or dreaming in the dawnlight or storming heaven's gates. Make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. Warm all the kitchen with thy love and light it with thy peace. Forgive me all my worrying and make my grumbling cease. Thou who didst love to give people food in room or by the sea, accept the service that I do. I do it unto thee. I think a lot of us can probably identify with Brother Lawrence and uh, his ability to find something spiritual in the simple. A lot of us have a lot of simple to deal with, a lot of tediousness, and a lot of mundane. And it can feel wasted unless we don't waste it. That's what gets us to the conversation that we're overhearing between Paul and the Philippians today in the last half of chapter 2, it's really a part of the book where it would be easy to start skimming if you weren't committed to reading the whole thing. I mean, Paul's just talking about travel logistics. I'm not even sure why he took the time to write it down. But Paul's never one to squander an opportunity, even amongst the simple and the mundane, to stop and say important things. Maybe we shouldn't either. Let's look at the conversation that Paul has in this part of the letter. Um, he talks about two friends that he wants to send to the believers in Philippi. Um, Epaphroditus is one a person who's from Philippi, and that's who brought the letter. Uh, but he talks about Timothy first. He talks about Timothy as someone who has served with him every step of the way, faithfully and has served him well. And since Paul wants news of the church in Philippi, he wants to send Timothy to be both a, an aid and a comfort 
to the church in Philippi and also so that Timothy can come back and bring him news. Now, I have to be honest with you, every time I read this, I hear Paul as being sort of um, uh, an an overprotective, stereotypical parent uh, with a with a classic guilt trip. Uh, he's basically saying to the to the Philippians, "Well, you never call, you never write. I want to hear uh, what's going on in your life. Uh, so I'm going to send Timothy. Now he's been like a good son. He's he'll tell me what's going on." <laughs> I don't know if that's a legitimate way to read that or not, but I can't help hearing Paul that way. Now, don't miss the other two parts of it that are important. Um, Paul is being careful here to talk about Timothy to the Philippians as someone that they can trust. You may recall from our last couple of conversations about this letter that we we've noted this theme, this distinction that Paul keeps making between those who look out for the interests of the gospel and for the interests of the of the community versus looking out for their own interests and what paul is making the most clear about timothy is that timothy is not someone who will look out for his own interests timothy is someone who will look out for their interests who will look out for their interests and who they can trust now the second thing that Paul seems to be saying here is also just a very practical and very caring, maybe even a little bit painful. He knows the Philippians are having a hard time. They're in a bind and he can't come. He can't be with them, but he can send Timothy. Timothy's someone that has served with him the whole time. And he's basically saying to them, anything you could expect from me, you can expect from Timothy. You should have confidence in me. Um, and then he gets to Epaphroditus and it's a whole different situation. Epaphroditus is from there. And basically Paul's saying, look, y'all, he's just got to come home. Uh, He's been on his deathbed. Y'all been worried about him. He's been missing you. I've been worried about him. I've been worried about y'all worried about him. He's just got to come home. Now, as it turns out, of course, um, as we read in the text, Epaphroditus has not been well, and he's finally well enough to travel. And and it was the occasion of Epaphroditus getting well enough to go home that Paul takes advantage of to send this letter. Now, think about it. There stands Epaphroditus, just come straight from Paul uh, to be with the Philippians. He could have just explained all this. There's absolutely no necessity whatsoever for Paul to have even written any of this down. Epaphroditus was coming anyway. Epaphroditus could have delivered the message. But Paul's not one to squander an opportunity, even among the mundane, even among the tedious, even in a moment where a friend is just well enough to travel home. And Paul says, wait a minute, let me write a letter. Could you take him a letter for me? Takes advantage of that moment rather than squandering that opportunity and sends what has become a treasured letter in the New Testament, the letter to the Philippians. He encourages them, he identifies with them, uh, and he talks with them of future plans. 
it, it's really the warmest and, and one of the kindest letters that, that Paul wrote. And he didn't even have to write it. Like, he could have just let that go. Nobody would have thought twice. Nobody would have held it against him. Epaphroditus would have delivered some message, and it would all have been okay. But Paul is not one to squander an opportunity. Even amongst the mundane and the tedious things in life, to stop for a moment and listen for important things and say important things. And so he takes advantage of this opportunity. And, you know, I think we should too. I think this is a thing we have in common with Paul and Timothy and the Philippians and Epaphroditus. And in this moment of travel logistics, where even in that, Paul is expressing care. You're going through this interim time where, frankly, you're going to have some tedious and mundane kinds of administrative and housekeeping sorts of things that we're going to be working on. And that can seem like the kind of time in the experience where it might be tempting to start skimming a little bit and coasting a little bit. But we really shouldn't squander this opportunity any more than Paul did. Because we have this moment where, you know, during an interim, you may have heard me say before, um, one definition of an interim in a congregation is this brief period of time where folks are open to a little bit of change. And during that time, I have a difficult task. I have to invite, lead, persuade, cajole, maybe prod you into embracing and experiencing something that most people shy away from. Change. You've heard the joke, there are two things most people just can't stand change and the same old thing? Well, listen, I am not telling you, you need to change. It's not my place. Wouldn't be an appropriate thing for an outsider, stranger to come in and just tell you right off the bat, you need to change. It's not what I'm telling you. But I am listening to you. And I keep hearing a lot of you say things like, that you wish you were having different outcomes. You wish you were having a different experience as a meeting. And so the thing I have to say to you when I hear you say that is, well, the experiences you've been having and the results you've been getting are a result of the things you've been doing. So if you want to have different results, you will have to change some of the things you're doing. Now, again, it's not my place to tell you what or how. I just have to make the observation, if you want different results, you'll have to change something that you're doing. And it's that discernment, that's part of the work that we have ahead of us, that we can't squander in the midst of the tedious and the mundane and the stuff that makes us tempted to want to skim forward to the end. No, no more than Paul squandered the opportunity to take a moment to say some important things to the Philippians. That's what we'll be doing in this interim time. In the midst of the tedious and the mundane, 
we'll be careful to stop and to make the moment matter. And to do that by listening to one another and by being brave enough to say important things. That's the message I hear as I overhear the conversation that Paul had with the Philippians in this last half of chapter 2. I'm curious what you hear. 